Welcome to True Grit and Grace, a podcast designed to empower you to claim your resilience and thrive through life's challenges. I am Amberly Lago, a mindset coach, fitness expert, and best-selling author. Each week, I'll dive deep with the world's brightest thought leaders and elite performers to share tangible tools and practical advice to inspire you to keep your eyes on the prize and forge ahead. So get ready to conquer your fears, heal any trauma, lead with your heart, and elevate your life with grit and grace. Hey, y'all, thank you for being here. I am so honored to have a legend on the show today. I have David Meltzer here today, and he is someone who I've admired and really looked up to for a long time. And he, we laughed and we cried as he shared his heartfelt wisdom and inspiration, and he shares so much value today. He is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing and formerly served as CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. His life's mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. That simple yet powerful mission has led him on an incredible journey to provide one thing, and that is value. And he gives us so much value in this episode, so I'm excited for you to tune in. And all his content and communication, that's exactly what you'll get. And he actually does a free weekly training every week at 11 p.m. Pacific to empower others, to empower others to be happy. So that link is in the show notes, or you can find it at dmeltzer.com slash training slash. And y'all, it's free. I would really recommend even just listening to his podcast or checking him out on Instagram at David Meltzer. And also, if you have any questions, you can always text me at 818 214-7378. And if you find that you get some value out of this episode, which I know you will, please share it with a friend. And now on to the show. Hi, David. Thank you so much for being here. We were saying before we got started, I was just saying how grateful I am to have you here and that I've just been so excited to have you on the show. So thank you so much, first of all. And I have to say also the first time I heard you share your story, I was in the car and I was listening to one of your interviews and I was just crying because <laughs> it was just so <laughs> touching. So could you, not that I want to, the listeners to cry or anything, but could you just share a little bit about how you grew up, where that led you, the biggest challenge that you had and now where you are today? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I grew up, I was born in Akron, Ohio, which is a small time in Ohio. And my dad left when I was five. So I had a single mom, six kids, five boys and one girl. Um, and I was super happy. But the only time I wasn't happy when I was a child was because of financial stress. So you catch your mom crying because the dishwasher broke or she couldn't afford food or she was worried how she paid for college or whatever else mm-hmm. was happening. So in my young mind, money took a substantial role in relation to happiness. And so I equated, wow, you know, since I'm happy, I got this great mom, these unbelievable siblings. You know, my mom was a big educator. So she taught the second grade. 
She would pack our dinners in a paper bag in a Country Squire station wagon, fill up turnstiles with greeting cards at the 7-Eleven just so we could eat. But, you know, we could not do anything until we graduated graduate school. My, my siblings went to Harvard, Penn, Columbia. So I had this extraordinary family, but money was always the, the root of evil. It wasn't the root of all evil. It was just the one thing that we just couldn't get past. And if anyone out there has not had money, you know, you're constantly under this, the hits keep coming because life keeps coming. And if you don't have enough to pay for life and you got six kids and it, every parent knows, I'm sure the pressure on my mom to keep her kids happy was extraordinary. So that is probably why you were crying in the car because I can't talk about my mom without choking up because of what she did for me. And I lived such a blessed life that I you know, just would not have, but for this extraordinary mom. So I ended up wanting to make money. Now my siblings, they all, you know, the fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school. They were all you know, Harvard, Penn, Columbia, doctor, lawyer. Well, when you only want money, the good news is you keep your options open. So unlike my siblings that were well-trained, you know, they wanted to go to Harvard. You know, I was just keeping my options open for where I could make the most money. And I went from wanting to be a professional football player, which ended very quickly into in college. I got ran over my first play. That was the end of my career. Uh, then, uh, then I wanted to be a doctor because they made a lot of money. And then my oldest brother gave me, he was a doctor, this great advice to be more interested than interesting because I was 18 years old. And I see this all the time with not just young people. People don't, they're not more interested than interesting. They just say what they want. I want to be a life coach. Okay. Do you know what it takes to be a life coach? Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to be a doctor. I didn't even know doctors needed to be in hospitals. I wanted to be a sports doctor. I thought I could learn how to do that in training room sidelines. So my brother gave me great advice. I ended up going to law school. My mom's favorite saying was doctor, lawyer, or failure. So that's kind of the path that I took. Um, but when I graduated law school, I kept my options open and I did get a litigation job, uh, paid six figures. I could buy my mom a house in a, ca a car, oil and gas. But I also got a sales job for the internet. Now, this is 1992. So I know you were a baby girl back then. But in 1992, the internet was not what it is today. And, you know, it was very risky. My mom, my favorite line ever, my mom, when I asked her, gosh, both jobs, one pays like 150, the other pays 250. You know, one's the lawyer. What, what should I do, mom? And she, without blinking, said, David, you need to be a lawyer. You need to be a real lawyer. This internet is a fad. <laughs> don't do it. You're going to lose everything. You studied so hard, you know, and I laugh, I tease her all the time. I'm like, Hey mom, hold on a second. Let me jump on the fad uh, and see what's going on. <laughs> but I was blessed. I made a uh, million dollars, nine months out of law school, bought my mom a house and a car. The interesting thing about that is that it reinforced money does buy happiness and love. And you can see the sign behind me says money mm -hmm. doesn't buy happiness which is the lesson I learned with a nuance, which I'll get to. But for me, money kept on coming and my happiness kept on coming. I went, we sold the first business I was in for $3.4 billion in 1995, went to the Silicon Valley, raised hundreds of millions of dollars. By the time I was 30 years old, literally my nickname was Midas. All my friends, you know, everyone defined me by my bank account, including me. I defined me and my happiness by my bank account. And I married my dream girl from the fourth grade. Even that, I used to tease her. I'm like, if I wasn't rich, you know, I wonder why, you know, she dated me all of a sudden, right? And 
trust me, as you know, uh, she proved that she actually loves me because mm. uh, I, not to foreshadow, but I lost everything. And she was the, the root in the rock behind me to save my life um, and to get me back where we are at today. So, uh, but for me, I was, you know, for the first time I was running uh, the world's first smartphone. I was 30 years old, multimillionaire. I could buy whatever I wanted, wow. married to my dream girl and I could buy whatever I wanted. And I was happy. I get a birthday present on my 30th birthday. And uh, it's from my dad. Now, my dad had not given me a birthday present in 20 years because when I was 10, my dad forgot my birthday and it broke my heart uh, because my dad literally, he was a deadbeat dad who made a lot of money in the 70s and didn't pay my mom. Meanwhile, I'm in the backseat of that station wagon going, mom, why can't you be more like dad? Meanwhile, he's short and <laughs> But anyway, uh, he forgets my birthday. But the worst thing when he forgot my birthday is he told me that he didn't forget my birthday, that he didn't believe in birthdays. He celebrated his own birthday, his girlfriend's birthday, my siblings. Like, what do you mean? I realized at 10 years old, my dad was a liar. He was a cheater, a manipulator, overseller, a back-end seller. And I hated my father. So to get a birthday present 20 years later from my dad, a big box came. I opened it up. It's a sport coat. I put it on. It fits perfectly. I start to cry. I cry easy, as you know, Amberly. So I started crying. My I wife love said, that about <laughs> you. I mean, what you share. I love that. And and tell me about the jacket. I feel like, you know, finally you're like, oh, wow. Even at 20 years later, you're getting a gift from your dad. Yeah. And it feels like you're finally like, oh, I am important. He does love me. He gave me this gift. He remembered you, exactly what I thought. In fact, when it hit me was when I put it on and it fit, I still get choked up because I'm like, wow, he cared enough to like know my size because like, yeah. it fit perfectly. And I, so I look in the jacket to see like, does it say especially made for David Meltzer's 30th birthday or Armani? You know, I was very much <laughs> into money back then. And I opened the jacket. He tore out all the pockets in the lining of the jacket. I was crushed. I was immediately angered. I called him up. My wife's looking at me and said, calm down. I said, no. I'm like, dad, I got your jacket. Oh, thank goodness. Why are you punishing me? I'm not punishing you. What are you talking about? Why, why would you send me a jacket I can't wear? Whoa, 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 whoa. It's not for wearing, David. This jacket is to hang in the closet to remind you that money doesn't buy happiness, that you wow. can't take anything with you when you're gone. This has nothing to do with anything other than I want to teach you something because you're just like me. And I wish, I, I, I wish somebody would have done this for me when I was 30 and I retired wow. and I, I wasn't ready to hear it. I told him, F you, you're a liar, a cheater, a manipulator. I remember I get choked up telling it because I hate you. You're mm -hmm. an overseller. Back. I want to be nothing like you. F you and your effing jacket. Mm -hmm. And so from that time on. And what'd you do with that jacket? I hung it. I hung it in the closet and it stayed there. And then six, six years later, so I'm now 36 years old. I'm now running the most notable sports agency in the world. Uh, you had mentioned the bio Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment. Most people know from the movie Jerry Maguire. Mm -hmm. I was multimillionaire living the dream job. I had access to every celebrity athlete, entertainer, every event from the Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, SB's, Emmys, Oscars. It didn't matter. I was living the life. And 
I went golfing with one of my best friends. Funny thing about this friend in the uh, sixth grade, he was the one that asked my wife, my friend, Rob, who I went golfing with. He asked my wife for me at sixth grade camp to go steady at sixth grade camp. And he, and he embarrassed me because he said, no, tell him to ask me himself. And so he yelled out in front of everyone, dude, she said no. And so I threw an egg at my wife at sixth grade camp. And that's why she hated me for so many years. <laughs> anyway, uh, I took Rob, who's my oldest friend, who's known me since the fourth grade. And I took him golfing. And I asked him if he'd like to go to the Masters with me. We were to go to the cabins with Curtis Strange, hang out with the celebrities, athletes, the private jet parties. You know, it's the, the, the golden ticket, the Masters. He looked at me, said, not a chance. I was like, what do you mean not a chance? He's like, I, I don't want to go with you to the Masters. I said, Rob, it's a once in a lifetime thing. He said, I don't want to go with you because I don't like who you hang around wow. and what you're doing. And I looked at him. I said, come on, Rob, I'm not doing what those guys are doing. He said, mm -hmm. David, you can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. I'm worried. Wow. I left so angry. I wasn't ready to hear it. I was crying in the car because I knew he was right, but I was so angry that he was right. Just mm -hmm. like I was angry at my dad. And so two weeks later, my life would change forever. I lied to my wife. I told her uh, I wanted to go to the, the Grammy Awards with a rapper named Little John. And my wife said, no way. You're not paying attention to business. You're not paying attention to your family. You're partying way, way, way too much. You're not going. So I lied to her, told her I had a business meeting, changed clothes in the car. I ended up coming home from the Grammy Awards 5.30 in the morning, completely wasted. Mm -hmm. And my wife was waiting for me. And that was the time she changed my life because she said, David, you know, I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. And if you don't take stock in who you are and what you want to become, I'm not going to be here. And I'm worried that you may end up dead. Wow. You're, you're on the wrong path. Now, even to that point, you know, I have to be completely transparent. I wasn't ready to hear it. I yelled at, I yelled at her. I said, how dare you? Are you kidding? Look around you. I remember. Look at what you've given her. Look at That's all this I've given you. Oh, exactly. How all dare you? Yeah. I, I went into it, went to bed. I woke up in the morning in the same state of mind. What lawyer was I going to call to get divorced? I was wow. going to steal her happiness, her money. That's, you know, that's to, in my mind, my demented mm -hmm. mind. I'm going to take everything from her. In other words, I had turned into my father, right? Mm -hmm. I literally had turned into my father and I'm sitting there so angry about to call the lawyer and i look over just like i don't know if you ever seen the movie the natural the the bat in, in robert redford there's a movie and called wonder boy and the light comes shining down on this bat that's the way i felt about my closet right down onto that jacket and i couldn't i looked at that jacket and i said to myself god i don't hate my father i don't hate my wife i hate myself I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm an overseller, backend seller, manipulator. I have everything I've ever dreamed of and I'm unhappy. I got to take stock in who I was. Wow. And so I sat down and I took stock. I wrote all day, all night until I came up with some key values that I was going to practice. I remember writing in big letters on it. This is a practice. Progress, not perfection. This mm -hmm. is a practice. Progress, not perfection. I, I knew that I couldn't change overnight, that this was inherited behavior, that there's no way I could just change overnight. But I was going to tell my wife that I try and, and I get better at it. So for the last 15 years, I've lived my life with gratitude. I've lived my life with forgiveness. 
accountability and inspiration to allow life to come through me. What do I mean by that? I grew up in a world of not enough. Mm-hmm. I was a victim. I would say, why me? Why can't I have this? Why do they have fathers? Why do they have houses and cars and food? Then I became a millionaire and I lived in the world of just enough. This is a dangerous world that I lived in because it was just enough for me. And I would buy things to be happy. I'd buy more things to be happy. I'd buy different things to be happy. I'd buy things to impress people to be happy. And the worst is I'd buy things to impress people I didn't even like to be happy. And it's a world that's just as scarce as not enough, just enough. There's never enough. Mm-hmm. And then through these values, gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, effective communication, inspiration, I was able to live a life of abundance, of more than enough. My thing now was I have faith. There's more than enough of everything for everyone. Mm-hmm. I still believe money buys happiness for only one reason. It allows you to shop. And if you shop for the right things, You'll be, I buy community centers in Africa, I, books for kids at junior achievement. I buy things for my children and in my community. That makes me really happy. If you, money's important. I, my motto is make a lot of money so you can help a lot of people and mm-hmm. have a lot of fun. If you shop for the right things, you'll be happy. And I want to live and teach people. I'm on a mission to empower over a billion people simply to be happy, to teach them how to live their lives with these values give them pragmatic daily practices like I do every Friday in my free trainings, all these different things. I have, you know, my podcast is geared to helping people. You know, my TV shows, Elevator Pitch and Two Minute Drill, geared just to help people, empower them to make money, help people and have fun to be happy. Oh, I love that. And I tell you what, I love your wife. She she is a badass. She's oh, yeah. like She's five uh, feet tall. She's five feet tall, but she's a badass. And I think when you go through difficult times, it can either really tear your relationship apart or it can make that bond between the both of you even stronger. Um, I, it's being an entrepreneur is for no sissies. I mean, it's it's a lot. My husband and I have been through a lot. We've managed to stick it out and stay together. He's now retired. And I think when he retired, he felt like I was going to retire too. And my business got just busier and bigger. And first of all, do you believe in balance between work life and, and how, how do you keep that healthy family life and this thriving business that you have with all that you do? You know, time is a study of mine. And so I do have five daily practices that I stick to, but for me, it's understanding how segmentation or compound interest or Einstein's rule of 72 works, things accelerate upon themselves. So I came up with this philosophy that, you know, two minutes of meditation, for example, is worth more than two hours on a weekend. I think that's where it started. Someone had told me that just because I was troubling, I was having trouble meditating because I'm, you know, OCD, super a, a personality. Like I used to think people that meditated were crazy and lazy. Yeah. I remember I heard something you'd said. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody told you to meditate and you're like, that is for the people who are laying on the couch, smoking dope. Like exactly. That's not for me. Unemployed, sick on their mom's couch, smoking every day. Yeah. You're like, I get it done. Exactly. (laughs) And, but that philosophy helped me because I said, wait a second, if that's true, then why not spend a minimum amount of time with the people that are most important to you every day and see if it has the same accelerated exponential impact that the meditation did for two minutes. 
by wow. aggregating every day, doubling and doubling. So I created non-negotiables in my life, which is an adaptable routine. So that means no matter what, these non-negotiables are occurring. One is a minimum of an hour a day on my health. Mm-hmm. The number one piece of advice anyone can give anyone, to my opinion, is find something that you love to do health-wise that you can do the rest of your life and do it a minimum of one hour a day. Mm-hmm. Nothing else is going to matter if your quality of health goes down in one hour a day, focusing in on your health, stretching, balance, cardio, weights, whatever your gig is, find something you love to do for the rest of your life and don't miss a day. Don't zero yourself out. I spend 30 minutes with my wife. I know, you know, I, we absolutely bonded uh, through this process, but the, the real bond was that I learned to love myself. Mm. But once I learned to love myself, my wife who adored me, could really feel connected, right? Because people that don't love themselves, you can love them all you want. They're not going to receive it in the same Mm -hmm. way. They won't feel that. How did you learn to love yourself? Because, I mean, there was a time in my life I really hated myself, especially when I was drinking every day to try to numb out pain. (laughs) Yeah, it's it was like, you know, you've got a choice. You can keep going down that road or you can really look in and heal and and start to love yourself a little more. But how did you learn to love yourself a little more? You know, for me, I took inventory of my values every day. So I started taking inventory of the what, not the why. Mm -hmm. I started saying, what is it I want? Right. Because if I decided every morning, this is what I want today. These are my personal values today. Right. My family, my health, my studying this is my experiential values. This is what I want to do today. I want to mm-hmm. get done. This is what I want to do. These are my giving values. This is how much value I want to provide to others. And then these I are do my- that too, David. I've got notes that are <laughs> my. That's like, and my my journal and my gratitude practice every morning. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. what. And then receiving values. I think I had to learn how to receive. You know, I had given so much and got in the habit of not asking for help not receiving, not asking for what I wanted. Um, and I started realizing I need to ask bigger and better and I need to ask more often. And so what happened was by taking those inventory of my values and knowing my what, I was able to start getting away and say to myself, oh, are drugs and alcohol going to get you that what? Right? Mm-hmm. No. Enjoying the consistent every day, persistent without quit pursuit of that what? is what made me happy and made me love myself. And once again, I study Einstein. I study math. That rule of 72 in compound interest, when I, you know, I was a, a math and finance person, I, you know, did fairly well in, in the- I've heard you business. rattle off numbers before. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, his brain is so fast. You can just get those yeah. numbers. I'm, I'm It's crazy, but that. I applied it to life. I said, wait a second, if I do one push-up a day, right? And I started coming with all these systems to start doing things that work in, you know, housing and, and stocks and other areas of investment. And I started applying it to, wow, the rule of 72 means the better I get at something within 72 segments, it'll double. So, you know, 1% better will get me there in 72 segments, 2% better will 36 segments, 3% better, 18%, right? 18 segments. And I can keep accelerating. I started picking the most important things and doing them every day. I, I call my mom still today. My relationship with my mom, I'm 52 years old, has never been better. 
Mm-hmm. And it's only for one reason. I spend way less time with my mom than ever, than mm-hmm. ever. Why? Because I spend a minimum of a minute a day with my mom, phone, FaceTime, whatever, to tell her four things. And these are the four key things in any intimate relationship. And I suggest you tell your husband this every single day because I tell my wife and my mom and my kids four things. I let them know I'm happy, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially my mom, right? Because you tell a mom you're happy. <laughs> You've just said like, I graduated Harvard, summa cum laude. All your hard work is, is done, right? You've done your job. Your son mm-hmm. is happy. I'm healthy, right? I tell her I'm healthy. Takes away all her biggest and greatest fears that your, your child is not healthy. Mm-hmm. And then three, that I love her unconditionally. And then four, I appreciate her, meaning she adds value to my life. And I, and I, those four things, I take a minimum of a minute every day to reassure, recollect, remember, and and let her know specifically those four things. And because she's so comfortable with our, our shared life, she feels better. Our relationship's better. There's no me trying to prove I love her or her needing me to prove I love her. And that works within the context of all of our intimate relationships. Well, I, I've heard you share that before and I have applied it to my relationship with my dad. And I noticed it did change the dynamic of the conversation right away. And so I want to thank you for that. It, it works. I've applied it. (laughs) I listened, I took it in and I, because my dad, um, God bless him, but he can tend to be a little, the half, the glass is always half empty. Yeah. So um, I have to kind of armor up to get prepared for our conversations. But after listening to you, I did apply that and it's, it's changing our conversations on the phone. So thank you for that. It works. (laughs) It works. I know it works. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you too, how do you avoid burnout when, because you've got your podcast and I'm amazed at how many episodes of your podcast release. You do this webinar every Friday at 11 Pacific. You're constantly giving. I was watching you on a live this morning on Instagram and you're all over the place. Your media is exploding on all your platforms. How do you do it all? And how do you not get burnout? Yeah. So time, like I said, I study one of the other nuances is that just as you can have two minutes with your mom, you need a vacation every day. So rest and recovery, number one, is essential in my adaptable and routine, my normal routine. What does that mean? My tomorrow starts today. This is a great lesson for everyone. You know, you have been given a gift. It's called sleep. Sleep is the ultimate in recovery and regeneration, but it's also the only time that our ego is quiet. When you're sleeping, your ego is quiet. That means there's no interference, no void shortages or obstacles created by yourself between you and an unbelievable source of light, love, and lessons, an unbelievable source of power. So what happens is most people don't programmatically create a habit, especially with sleep. So Mm -hmm. for me, I start my tomorrow today at 9 p.m. I believe that sleep is like working out. You need to warm up to it. But what it's called when you warm up for sleep is called unwinding. 
And so we need to get into habits of not having stressful conversations, watching disturbing content or listening or reading disturbing content, not doing hardcore focus exercises where we sleep, having the right temperature, the right bed type, the right lighting, all of these different things. Why? Because it's the only time my ego is not in my way. It's the only time I'm out of way. So if you're waking up four times, you're exacerbating the fact that your ego now wakes up and you start stressing. You have a need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, guilty, worried, angry, frustrated. All, everyone knows you wake up in the middle of the night. These are the feelings that you have. Mm -hmm. If you can create a, a habit of taking that recovery. And then secondly, I vacation every day. So that's one thing for rest and recovery and connecting to source energy or power. But for me, another trick that I have is I vacation every day. So I have a minimum of 10 minutes vacation every day. I love that. And so literally it's in my calendar. So, it, you know, I'm here at the studio today with, for the interview, I have scheduled after this, right? Cause my adrenaline goes in these interviews. So I have scheduled a 10 minute vacation walk. Mm -hmm. So I'm going by myself. And I'm going to walk as if I'm on vacation and I woke up before everybody else did at the resort. And I'm just going to walk for 10 minutes and enjoy my look at, I live in Southern California. It's 72 and sunny. And I'm going to pick out everything. I appreciate how lucky I am, how blessed I am every day, minimum 10 minutes a day on the weekend. I, my wife, I gave her for her 50th birthday, a 55 Ford Thunderbird teal. And I took that out for an hour on a vacation drive with my wife. I said, come on, we're going on vacation. She said, what? Because she was, you know, reading on the couch. It's COVID things. I said, no, no, it's 72 and sunny. We're going to go drive PCH. We're going to drive the ocean. We're on vacation for an hour. We're going to leave all the kids here. You and I are going on vacation. She's like, really? Do I need to pack a bag? I'm like, what? <laughs> but I'm going to go in an hour. But every day, if you do that, it's as important as the recovery of sleep. Yeah, I think that's so important. Um, that was really a hard lesson for me to learn because, you know, growing up an athlete and a dancer, it was always like, oh, no, resting meant quitting. Resting meant you're weak, yeah. resting. And I had to really switch that up and switch my thinking of resting isn't, you know, a luxury, it's a necessity. And, um, you know, I have a daughter who's 12 and one that's in college, one that's 12 and she gets me out our little vacation. I'm going to start calling it now. We do scooter rides and scavenger hunts outside. And it really does energize you. You think, I think, oh, I'm taking a break. I really need to get all this done. But if I just go outside for a little bit, get a little vitamin D because I'm in Southern California too, it makes all the difference. And then um, I, I want you to get to your walk. So I just have one more question for you. Um, you have a favorite day of the year. Can you tell us what that is and why? Yeah. Well, it's the holiday of Thanksgiving, but it's every day because every day to me is Thanksgiving. I can tell you this. If you want to change your life, just say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up. If you can do it for 30 straight days, I guarantee your life will change. It'll become part of your subconscious and start speaking to your frequency so that you don't end up like our dads, you know, the glass half full that you automatically see the glasses overflowing. Mm -hmm. uh, and the first step is to look at things, try to find the light, the love and the lessons. Pain is not a stop sign. 
It's an indicator. It's a turn signal. Pain's just telling you that you have a lesson to learn to move to a better place, a better position, or a better situation. It's a turn signal taking you to somewhere better. And suffering is a process of finding the light, the love, and the lessons in the pain. That's all you need to do. So pain and suffering can be utilized in order to effectuate gratitude. Gratitude will give you the best gift ever, which is called the perception of happiness, mm -hmm. gratitude and happiness, by the way, which is, you know, my mission in life is to empower over a billion people to be happy. A thousand people like Amberly, who will empower a thousand to empower a thousand. But happiness is easily spread, right? It's the greatest virus of all time. All you got to do is witness happiness and you get happy. Mm -hmm. It strengthens you mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. Happiness will do all that. It'll actually strengthen your immune system. It'll protect you against any diseases. So I'm on a mission to teach people to be happy, to make more money, help more people and have fun with their lives. And I certainly appreciate the opportunity to be here. Appreciate everyone joining me anytime. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. So reach out to me. I personally answer everything. Thank you so much, Amberly. Thank you. And yes, please tell everybody where they can find you. And that all, if you're listening to this while you're working out or on a drive, don't worry. All the links are in the show notes. You can join his webinar. I'm actually on your text messages too. So I get your text <laughs> messages. I suggest everybody does that and check them out on Instagram. Um, but yes, please tell us where they can find you. So Instagram's at David Meltzer. My text community is 949-298. 2905. My email address is the best way to reach me if you need anything. Mentoring, books, exercises, guides, register for training. Just email me directly. It's all free. I actually pay for shipping. So I'm not going to say it's a free book and charge you. I'll sign it. I'll send it to you. David at dmeltzer.com. David at dmeltzer.com. My website's dmeltzer.com. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Oh, thank you so much. It was such an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us this week on True Grit and Grace podcast. If you like it, please rate it or share it with your friends. That would help too. If you're not yet on the newsletter list, come over to AmberlyLago.com and jump on it. While you're there, you can grab a free downloadable gratitude journal and you might just want to check out my book or even check out my monthly motivational membership. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.